Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Fellowship Podcast. We hope this message will inspire, challenge, and encourage you to grow closer to Christ. If you're in the Anchorage area, we invite you to be our guest during our morning Sunday worship service at 11 a.m. For directions, or if you would like more information about us, please visit akmaranatha.com. morning I really wanted to preach a message where I could bring either a donut or a cookie a sweet treat but nothing came to mind so I'm sorry Zeb next time just for you and then Miss Evelyn said where's your dresser at well I don't have a dresser but I have something else up here and so don't get distracted somebody just asked me if I found all these bags and lost and found Um, but I didn't So we'll get to this here in a minute, but we just finished um, the weekend at youth conference with our students, and let me just say, every year that we get back from camp or youth conference, two things happen for me personally. Number one, I'm inspired to go deeper in my walk with Jesus and to do more for him. And two, I grow a deeper appreciation for my pastor and his responsibility to shepherd the church, because the youth group is just a fraction (laughs) of this church, and oh my goodness, the third thing, I said two, but really there's three. I come back very tired and exhausted and wonder if I'm way too old for this. Some of these kids think I'm old, and I know some of you older, more wise and experienced people in the church would say that is not so, but yes, yes and amen, but you should see the reactions when I tell them how old I am. It's craziness. Anyway, in all seriousness, I'm inspired because when we get away and we have a more concentrated time seeking God, I'm reminded of the call of God on my life, and God challenges me to be a better Christian, and my heart grows stronger and deeper for him and um, also for our church and for our students. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, raise it up in the air. This, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. And I want to say that I am sincerely sorry that I could not continue on last week's risque topic, but I'm going to leave those hard things to Pastor Luke. So sorry about that, guys. But so I just talked about the excitement and the inspiration that I um, that I received from youth conference and youth camp. And um, I want to admit this morning that like, Many people, the excitement and the inspiration that comes from these big events soon fades, okay? And to my shame, I find myself months later back into a life of mediocrity, one that ebbs and flows in excitement and effectiveness. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my life to be wishy-washy. I want to live a life that is consistent to to what and who God has called me to be. So we recently spent a whole entire semester in youth group teaching our students the call of every Christian. Does anybody here know what the call of every Christian is? Shout it out if you know what it is. To know God and spread the gospel. Yes, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Any of you students want to make me proud and share what Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says? In a paraphrase? Come on. Okay. Yes, go ahead. Say it over here. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We are to go and make disciples of all nations. But can I tell you a little secret here? You can only disciple if you are a disciple. Okay? So if you're not being discipled yourself, then how can you disciple someone else? 
You can only make Jesus known if you know him yourself. So raise your hand if you feel like you've reached the peak of your discipleship. Raise your hand if you feel like you know everything about God. Raise your hand if you feel like you've reached the top where God has called you to and who he's called you to be. Has anybody here arrived? Raise your hand. Nobody here has arrived because none of us have it completely figured out. Being a disciple has many different facets and all really center around death to self. This call to die to self isn't a physical death. I have a niece who um, has been learning how to read her Bible and when she reads things like, oh, the Bible says to cut off your arm, and she's like, what? Am I supposed to cut off my arm if it, if it causes me to sin? No, it's just the importance of what it means to, to not sin. And so when the Bible says to die to self, we're not physically dying. What we're dying is to is our selfishness, right? We're dying to sin, and we're dying to what we want for ourselves so that through us, Christ can live. Galatians 2, 20 through 21 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. John 3, 30, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Galatians 5, 24 through 25 says, those who belong to Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and let us live by the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, the old has gone and the new has come. There are many more scriptures that call us to put death to self, to carry our cross and follow him. And why? Because the word says that when Christ be lifted up, anybody know? He will draw all men unto him. If we let Jesus live in us, truly live in us, imagine what we could do in this world. And by no means do I think that I have figured it out. I began really serving the Lord when I was 16 um, years old. That was 20 years ago. So I know it sounds kind of weird and um, that I can even say that. I can hardly believe I can say 20 years ago I started serving the Lord. And many of you are thinking, oh, come on, we have way more years on you. Um, but I want to share a little bit of what I've learned in my time serving the Lord. I've experienced and observed a lot of different things. I started as the janitor with my friend Heather over here. We used to come and scrub toilets and clean the church. And then pretty soon God called us into leadership areas in the youth group. And we helped um, lead different things in the youth group. And then Heather went off to Bible college. Then I went off to Bible college and she became a children's pastor. And then I came back to help the youth group. And then there was a youth group helper turned youth pastor. And so um, we've done a lot of things. I used to be on the worship team. I don't know if any of you guys remember my sad attempt to play the bass guitar um, and also sitting in the front pew with the overhead projector. Does anybody remember that? And I had to line up the words on the glowing screen to make sure we could read um, all the things. And if I messed up, I was in the front row. So thankfully, we have a sound booth. So when you guys mess up, we can just duck our heads down. Trenton's ducking his head down. So um, anyway, I've gone on mission trips and I went to Bible college. Throughout all of that, one thing that was evidently crucial to my walk with Jesus was the church. It was and is the church where I found my place, where I found a group of people whose whole purpose was to disciple me so that I can be the woman of God that I was called to be. It's the church where I find strength, comfort, family, and purpose, and it's in the church 
where I'm equipped to be more like Jesus so that through my life, Jesus be lifted up. When we allow Jesus to live in, through, live in and through us, people should see Jesus. So now we're going to go to scripture. I'm wondering when am I going to stop my introduction. So Galatians 6, we're going to read the whole thing. Is that okay? Okay, we all like reading the Bible. Okay, so here we go. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Verse 11, notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. This is Paul. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want a good want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that I show, that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So, um, just a little bit of background on this chapter, because there's a lot of here, and I don't have time to exegete this entire chapter this morning, but Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia um, who were being misled by some of the leaders, the Jewish, Jewish leaders, into believing that they needed to follow strict Old Testament law, um, here mainly circumcision, circumcision in order to be counted as true Christians. And Paul's argument was that none of those legal requirements had anything to do with the gift of grace that allows us to be spiritually saved through faith in Jesus. And then he goes on to reaffirm that we receive the Holy Spirit and renewed spiritual life. Did you guys hear that? That we are a new creation. That means who we were before, what we lived um, for before, is no longer existent. We live as new people in Christ. Circumcision and the law no longer are the marks of a Christian. What Paul is saying is the fruit that your life produces it will, is what will mark you as a Christian. So I'm going to highlight um, just a lesson that I think this morning God has for us, and um, I hope that we would allow him to speak. 
um, to us this morning. So I'm just going to pray really quick. Jesus, I thank you that you have given me the opportunity to share um, your word. And as I've just been studying over this message this week, um, you know uh, more than anything that I've been convicted and I've been challenged as um, your daughter, as a Christian. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would give me the words to speak and that your heart would come out. Help me to only say what you want to say for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of my message this morning is Obeying the Law of Christ. So, again, you see that the church in Galatia, they were all mixed up with the Mosaic Law and the Law of Christ. Does anybody here know what the Law of Christ is? Love. Love your neighbors. Yeah, they were caught up in doing a checklist of things instead of allowing the Law of Christ to transform them into people living by the Spirit. So maybe today that means... Oh, I checkmarked. I went to church today. I read um, a scripture in the Bible today. I said a, a prayer to thank God for my food. And so now I've prayed, I've gone to church, and I've read the Bible. Check. And, and um, let me make sure that I'm just a good citizen and I follow all of the rules. When really what God is asking us to do is live by the Spirit and be completely transformed. Because if we just go to church and try to check off a list of things, then that doesn't really do anything for our inner spirit. It's being allowing Holy Spirit to come in and transform us from the inside out. So what is the law of Christ? The law of Christ, according to Galatians 5.14, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? Well, if you look to your right or to your left or behind you or in front of you, your neighbor is everyone in your direct circle of influence. Okay, and so for today's message, we're going to talk about our neighbors in our church, specifically at Maranatha. So everybody say hello to your neighbor. Maybe they don't know your name. Maybe you need to get to know your neighbor a little bit more. But as I continue to um, grow in Christ and serve the church, I'm challenged to do better at my personal responsibility as a Christian. I believe God is challenging us to step up in our roles as Christians in the church And I'm going to stand up here and tell you that I'm the first to admit that I don't have it all figured out. I fail time and time again, being the church and being Jesus in this world. And so, um, like I prayed, this message has really challenged me. And so I just, I ask for your grace and for you to just bear with me as I try to communicate what I believe God didn't only want to challenge me personally in, but us as a church. Um, I mentioned earlier that God's call on the Christian is to be a disciple who disciples others. A disciple is a follower of Christ, and being a follower of Christ should mark us different from this world. While the world follows self, you know, all the phrases, whatever will be, will be, say la vie, YOLO, you do you, follow your heart, all the things that say do what you want to do. Have any, has anybody heard any of those phrases? Maybe some of us have said that ourselves, like, I'm doing me, and you do you. Well, here's the thing, guys. If you have claimed yourself as a Christian, you can no longer do you. You have to do Christ. And so if we are a follower of Christ, God says, take up your cross and follow me. Do whatever it takes to know me and then make me known. So we need to let our lives speak for the grace that we've received. And that grace is salvation through Jesus. Okay? So one of the great heroes of faith, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, wrote about something called cheap grace. 
This is what he said. Cheap grace is grace without repentance, grace without discipleship, and grace without the cross. Grace without discipleship. I um, am challenged not to cheapen the grace that we have so freely been given by being mediocre disciples. God is calling us to deeper and greater things, higher things than we've gone and we're willing to go. And we should not cheapen the grace that we've been so freely given. If we want to reach the world, we have to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to do as followers of Christ. Um, I also was reading a book by a guy named John Schwarz. Um, He quotes this, Christians are the best argument for Christianity. And then the sentence didn't stop there. He said, and also the worst. Ouch. Worst when we fail to reflect the one we profess as Lord and Savior in our daily lives. I don't want to be the worst reflection the worst argument for Christianity. But you guys, this morning, there is a challenge that it all starts with us, and we're the church. So how do we apply the law of Christ to the church? How do we love our neighbors in the church? I think there's four, maybe just three, simple applications um, that we can take, and then you'll be glad to see what I have all these bags up here for. So um, the first way that we can love our neighbors in the church is by loving the Christian who may struggle in sin. Okay. Verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation. You who are godly, you who are spirit-filled, you who claim to be a Christian, we're called to ministers to our brothers and sisters in Christ when they're struggling in sin. Okay? In the past, the church has, has done a great job of rejecting, marginalizing, shaming those struggling in sin. I've heard horror stories of churches bringing people who are struggling in sin to the front of the church and proclaiming it to everybody. Do you think that person wants to come back to church after that? No. I sure as heck wouldn't want to, but we've done that in the past, and that's not what this scripture says. It says we should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path, not reject them. Reject them, And this is a big task because it requires grace, mercy, compassion, and patience. Why? Because the goal isn't to point someone's sin out. The goal is restoration, okay? If you have sinned and God has forgiven you, what you want is somebody to come alongside you and help you continue to live in the holiness and righteousness that God has called you to. You don't want somebody to marginalize you and shame you, so that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to restore our brothers and sisters to Christ. Listen to this. I also want to say that um, sin doesn't have to mean only the serious sin or only the flagrant moral violations. Sin is sin, and none of us here are sinless. If you are, please talk to me after church because I need to know your secret. But none of us are sinless, which means we all need to help one another, okay? Um, If we're living a life that is not pleasing to Jesus, that's sin. And we need to help one another through it. And this is what we call Christian accountability, okay? We're, We're called to help one another. We need a restored church. Remember, the goal is restoration. 
We need a restored church so that we can be effective with the gospel message outside of the church. So the second way that we can practice the law of love, the law of Christ, is by sharing in each other's burdens. Verse 2 through 5 says, Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Listen to that. In this way, obey the law of Christ. If you share in each other's burdens, if you help people who are in sin, this is the law of Christ. Verse 3, if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Okay, we're all sinners. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. So Paul literally is saying here that the, that burden bearing is a fulfillment of the law of Christ, and we must concern ourselves with the burdens and weaknesses of each other. Lend a helping hand to those carrying heavy loads. Did you guys know that some people, um, the loads that they're carrying are are sometimes too hard to carry? Too hard to carry alone. Sadly, there's a lot of people in the church um, who carry their burden and sin alone for far too long that they end up leaving the church. And um, something that really breaks my heart, in recent years I've read a lot about Christian pastors and Christian leaders who have taken their lives because they've had to bear a burden alone. And that's not what God has called us to do, to bear burdens alone. And so we need to bear each other's burdens. There are Christians in the church who need help. And we're sitting in our seats and we think, oh, well, we're all here in this together. But the reality is that life is happening all around us. And it's a shame that we have people who have professed the goodness of God struggle in, in with their burden for so long with no help that they thought the only answer was to take their life. What a shame. So verses 3 through 5, um, he's, he's talking about don't think you're too important to help somebody. I think Paul in this moment was saying these things because um, some of the Galatians thought, they might have thought of themselves as too important or maybe like, you know, um, holier than thou or better than, that they didn't really care or concern themselves with anybody else in the church. And maybe we don't blatantly feel that way as Christians. Um, what it probably looks like practically in the day-to-day is the inability to lay aside our own pride, our own judgments, or even our own offenses to come along some, alongside someone. Maybe someone's offended us and we are like, you know, I know they're going through a hard time, but hmm, they didn't help me when I was going through a hard time, so I'm not going to help them. We need to lay ourselves aside, aside for other people. It might look like our inability to lay aside our personal time and comfort to come alongside one another. But this shouldn't be the mark of the Christian church. Sharing in each other's burdens means that we pray and, in we, and we encourage one another. And it may even mean that we need to meet the needs of somebody else in a tangible and practical way. Somebody might need some food in their fridge, a warm place to stay, transportation, just help in everyday life. Maybe there's a single mom who needs help caring for their kids or a single dad. But there's lots of things that we can practically 
do to meet the tangible needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Prayer is powerful. We can pray for each other, and I encourage you to pray because God moves through prayer. But can you imagine if prayer coupled with action, what that would do? It would do great things. So let's not just pray for each other. Let's meet the tangible needs of one another. And here's the thing. Burdens can be light um, or heavy. And maybe somebody's burden to you might, you might be like, oh my gosh, you can't handle that. But to them, it's so heavy and they don't know what to do. And maybe you think it's so light because you've already carried that burden and you know how to overcome. And so I want us to understand that burdens can be light and they can be heavy. Concerns, problems, difficult responsibilities. Um, maybe some of that involves times of sickness, sorrow, uh, relational problems, financial problems. The list is numerous, and I'm not going to list all of them, but I'm sure that many of us in this room can say, man, I've carried some things alone, and it would have been nice to have somebody carry it with me. Um, a commentary that I was reading in my studies, it said this, where to help carry the physical, emotional, and spiritual load that threatens to crush fellow believers. If our brothers and sisters are literally being crushed, why do we turn away? If you're literally being crushed, you should be able to reach out and get a helping hand from somebody in the church. We need to be a safe place for each other, you guys. Um, I really believe that, that there's our um, culture has so far gone to this whole me movement, like, oh, it's my life, it's my agenda, it's my beliefs, whatever's comfortable for me, and we forgot that God called us to become one church, one body that helps each other along. And here's the thing, the world is growing increasingly difficult. Anybody agree? Like, man, it is bad out there. We need one another. So we need to strengthen one another so that we can be effective with the gospel message outside of the church. Okay, remember I told you guys what our mandate is. It's to make, to know him and to make him known. So as we know him, we do this together. And then the more, the stronger that we are, the better we are outside of these church walls. Okay, so there is a purpose in caring for one another. The third way that we can um, practice the law of Christ is by providing for and sharing with our pastors. I get to talk about Pastor Luke and Janie while they're gone because Pastor would never come up here and talk about himself. But verse 6 through 9 says this, Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. I'm just going to stop there. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers. That means we should provide for those who are teaching us. And Pastor Luke faithfully studies and comes and teaches us the word of God. And did you know that it is our biblical responsibility to provide and support him? Paul might be, and I think he is actually specifically referring to financial support in here. Which, if you're a faithful tither, um, you're accomplishing this task. So great, your tithes help pay for past Pastor Luke and Janie's salary. If you aren't, you should be a faithful tither. Um, and again, Pastor Luke would never ask you to give anything for him or to him. But this is our Christian duty. First Timothy 5.17 says, Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well. 
especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. 1 Corinthians 9.14 says those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. We have an amazing pastor whose full-time job is to preach, teach, and shepherd this church, and he does an amazing job at it. And so I'm going to take this a bit further because, again, Pastor Luke would never ask you to give him any financial support. Um, but I'm gonna, so I'm going to take it broader than the financial support. We can and we should support our pastor beyond financial means, and that means support by prayer, support by participation, and I had to come up with a third P word because that's how Pastor Luke does it. Um, so the third way is what I wrote, propping up, which really means is my lame attempt at finding a synonym for encourage. <laughs> so we need to pray for our pastors. We need to participate, and we need to prop them up. We need to encourage them. Our pastor, pastor prays for this church. Um, the ministries that take place here and in this church and through this church and for you, okay? Um, he doesn't take his job lightly. And our support in his vision and leading speaks volumes and allows us to walk in obedience to God's word in this very way. So we need to share in the ministry of our pastors by being active participants in what takes place in these church walls, okay? Participation by growing, which requires being taught, so when we come to church, we should be expectant that God's going to teach us something through Pastor Luke, right? Um, participation by serving, which requires us to volunteer. I might step on some toes tonight, but Pastor Luke will be back next week. So um, <laughs> these are very practical ways that we can be active participants in the church because we are not called to be pew warmers. Has any of you guys ever sat in a seat after somebody sat there all service and it was like hot it's kind of weird I don't like sitting in a hot seat because that means someone's sitting there for too long anyway sorry that was not in the notes but yes don't be a pew warmer okay we don't want hot seats unless you're going to start your car and it's negative degrees outside okay let me get back on topic where am I at okay so one of the things that we emphasize to our students is that we cannot be consumer Christians. Okay, you've probably heard that. We cannot be consumer Christians who only take and never give. We, get, we take so that we can give to others. Okay, so we have knowledge, we have blessing, we have hope, we have purpose so that we can give that to others. Okay, we cannot receive the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we cannot have, receive the spirit and live a spirit-filled life and do nothing with it. If you read the Bible, if you receive all of those things and you do nothing with it, then you're living in sin. We tell our students not to wait until they're adults to begin walking in their calling. Okay. Um, Sometimes I'm like, man, Bill, how do I keep telling them that when they might be looking at older adults who are not walking in their calling? Um, we need to walk in our calling, whether we're a student or an adult or we're tired, wherever we are. God, if you're, you have breath in your lungs, and I think everybody here has breath in their long, lungs, hopefully, if you don't, dear Jesus, help us. But if you have breath in your lungs, then you have a call of God on your life, okay, to, to know him and to make him known. And we can't wait. For somebody else to do it for us, we have to do it ourselves, okay? So we need 
to be examples to the generations that are coming after us. There's a whole slew of children down there that are going to be sitting in these, hopefully not hot seats, in a few years, and they're looking to the next generation above them to tell them how to live for Jesus. And then there's going to be people who are not even born that are going to be filling those rooms downstairs. They're not even alive yet right now, and they're going to come up, and they're going to look at those children who are going to be adults on how to be Christians. And it's our job to continue to bring that legacy to the next generation, to the next generation. So with that, We need to provide and share with our pastors so that we can be effective with the gospel message outside of the church. So I can't neglect the rest of this um, chapter. So I think the rest of this chapter really brings it to a head here. Paul says that whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Doing good to everyone is sharing the gospel message with everyone. Okay, Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all nations. But first, and especially, he said, do good to everyone, and then especially those in the family of faith. Why? Because we, are, we already have our ticket to heaven. Why do we need to do good to those in the church, and why don't we just focus on those outside of the church? Well, here's the thing. When we're bringing the gospel message to somebody outside of the church, they're going to look for a church. They're going to look for other Christians to come alongside and live a life with Jesus. And if we in the house don't have it together, how can we go and do what we need to do outside of these church walls? That is why it's so important for us to do good to those, especially in the family of faith. Okay, we are called to be united, not divided. We need to take care of one another in the church so that we can be effective in this world. Okay, here we go. I don't know how I'm going to do this. It worked really well in my head. And um, let me, I'm going to have Zach come. Zach. Zachary. I don't know whose back is better than the other. But here we go. So I'm going to give Zach this backpack. Maybe Joe can help. Zach, so Zach's going to carry a backpack, and this backpack <laughs> is full of a lot of heavy things, a lot of heavy, heavy burdens. And since Pastor Luke's not here, um, Zach's going to stand in his stead here. Because oftentimes, we as the church think that the pastor is supposed to do all the spiritual work. He's supposed to care for the sinners. He's supposed to care, um, carry everyone's burdens alone. Um, and we may never, you got to come closer, sorry, because I might run out of breath trying to give you some baggage here. <laughs> we may never say it in word, but indeed, we look at our pastor as the one who carries the spiritual burden of the church. Because after all, that's his job. He gets paid for it, right? It's the thing that God specially called him to do. But I think this morning God has a different message for us. We're all called to carry these burdens. But if we only let one person carry the burden, this is what it's going to look like. Keep it on. Come on. Just load it up. Okay. Load it up. We'll keep going. Okay. These bags, let me just tell you also, this this is not all my stuff. Okay. If I had all these bags, that's crazy. Um, This is a group effort. And I didn't realize it until I was 
throwing them all on the stage, that it actually applies to my spiritual application here. No, I'm not going to give you that because there's no strap on there. But um, we often look at at our pastor to carry the burdens. And when we do that, I want you to think of each bag as a burden. Okay, this backpack that the first one that Zach put on is full of tools because he's a carpenter. But Pastor Luke carries a backpack um, of the burden of preaching the gospel message, a message that transforms lives, a message that brings people into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, a message that takes people from a route to hell to a route to eternity in heaven. And not only does he have the burden of preaching the message, he has the burden of teaching it, he has the burden, this this one he really loves, is um, ensuring that the church is running. You know, the bills are paid, um, there's repairs, maintenance. Here, let me give you, keep going here. Let me give you a little bit more. Pastor Luke's got a wedding to do. Here, you got a wedding to officiate. You got a birthday party to go to. Oh, you better bring them a gift, because if you don't, then you don't love them. Oh, man, there was a birthday party yesterday, but somebody died, and now I have to do a funeral. Oh, and not only do I need to do the funeral, I need to minister to that family because they're broken, and they need some comfort. Somebody had a baby, so now we're going to do a baby dedication. But it's okay, Pastor. You can handle it. All of these bags, ministries that have to take place, church finances. Oh, somebody needs counseling? Oh, give them that. You need to counsel them. Oh, also, no big deal. This one's light. I need counseling at 3 a.m. You got to take that because, because you're my pastor, and you do all the work. Oh, outreach events? We need to reach our community. We need Hallelujah Fun Night. We need Bread of Life. We need VBS. We need Block Party. Oh, and on top of it, man, God's doing a work in our church, and we can't fill the building up because there's too many of us. So now we have a building remodel. Can you plan for that? Tell me how that building remodel is going to go. Okay, here, let me help you. Okay, I got it. Thank you. All right, and then let's add on the burden of someone's depression, someone's anxiety, because Pastor Luke has to deal with it, right? Because he's the spiritual leader of this church. He's the spiritual one. Let's see. What else do I have here? Are you doing okay there? You're doing okay. Okay. Somebody might have some suicidal thoughts, so you need to pray for them. My son, my daughter, unexpected pregnancy. Pastor, what I do? Pastor, my children aren't serving the Lord, and I did everything that I could to teach them the gospel. And they're not listening to me, so I need you to take care of that. Somebody in my family is sick. Can you pray for them? They're dying. I need you to pray for them. Oh, pastor, somebody in the church offended me. 
I don't want to go to your church anymore. So he dropped something. You got to help him pick that up. The impossible task of making every making sure everybody's happy, everybody's satisfied, everybody's comfortable. And let's keep going because um, Pastor Luke, there's an extension of Pastor Luke, and her name's Janie. Okay. Oh gosh, there's a whole church ministry calendar. How many people do we need to fill the church ministry calendar, Renita? Fifty. Fifty people. Well, twenty of them just called called you. And told you, sorry, I can't do that. New curriculum. Oh, man, you better figure out what we're going to teach our kids. Okay. All right. He said he's. Oh, the church flooded. Janie, you better find somebody to come and fix the church toilet that's broken. And the light bulbs are out. The internet is out. Oh, Lord, help us with that one. If you know anybody at GCI, can you send them my way? Because, yikes. Internet's out. The heat's not working. Um, oh, here, let me add this. And now, through all of that, you're exhausted. So now you're carrying that exhaustion. You're carrying that discouragement. Oh, maybe there's some financial burden in the church or doubt. And here's the thing. Do you think I can have, can I give him more of this? Should I? I don't know. I don't want to hurt his back. These bags represent the burdens of the church. And here's the thing. There's burdens that Pastor Luke and Janie may never tell you about. Because God forbid our spiritual leaders are humans. The list goes on, and as you can see, <laughs> some of these were really heavy, and some of these were really light. Really heavy. Man, I, I said some heavy things. People who deal with suicidal thoughts, death, division in the church, people leaving the church. Oh. You're not... We're not growing in this church. We're out. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. We're out. This doesn't happen in our church, does it? We don't have heavy burdens to carry, do we? Let's be real for a minute. When you get a whole bunch of people and families together that come from all different backgrounds and experiences and difficulties, there's a lot of potential mess. And it's called life. But thank God in the midst of life, in the midst of mess, there are beautiful blessings of sharing life together. And you get to experience the highs together, marriages, babies, salvations, new homes, new beginnings, new jobs, miracles. I'm going to be gracious and not add any more to Zach here. But here's the thing. Maybe I'm not going to be gracious because I think I need to give you some more. These are all, these are all the unmentioned burdens. All the sin that's gripping the people in the church. 
that Pastor Luke has to deal with or the spiritual leaders of the church. Not me, because my pew seat is warm and I'm comfortable. I don't like being cold. I don't like being uncomfortable. At some point, one person cannot carry it all. As I know it looks a little bit silly here, but at some point, one person cannot carry it all. So what happens when we begin to help carry the load? When, when somebody comes along and says, hey, let me carry that load for you. Carrie, you want to come up and help carry the load? Deb, come up and help carry the load. might need more people because Zach's about to get his guitar and he can't carry that guitar without someone helping him carry the load. If you grab something, can you just kind of stay in the general front area? You can be in this area. Don't forget these these burdens that I couldn't even pile on because I didn't have any more room. I'll come down here in the in this front area. I, I have a few more things. Anybody else want to come? Come up. There's some people who have multiple bags, so you can always come up and and take a load off of somebody else's shoulders. I want you guys to look around. This is a silly illustration, but if you look at the bags that you carry, these burdens are real. There are real burdens that are carried, and how beautiful it is to see people from all walks of life carry the load together. As that comes up, I do um, just want you to stick with here with me for a minute, um, and, and we end our time with a challenge and a response. And um, as you respond, you can lay down what you're holding at the altar, but don't go too far here. If it's too much for you to hold, you can, you can lay it down. But I want us to understand this, that it is not just the pastor's job to carry the burdens of other people, to carry the burdens of this church, to love the unlovable, to share the gospel with the world. It is our job, too. Okay, Pastor Luke, yes, he plays a very an important and appointed role to shepherd and guide us in the vision God has given him. 
And I know, because I personally done life with them, that we have a pastor who prays for you, cares for you, loves you. And despite the difficulty or the immense burden, he and Janie have given up their lives for this church and its people. And though the burden is sometimes really, really heavy, they do it with joy. And their desire is that we disciple We are disciples who disciple others, not because they believe they personally have a message and a mandate, but because they wholeheartedly believe in the message of the gospel and the mandate of God on our lives. There's authority and power in his position, and Pastor Luke would never ask you to do anything for him personally. But can I tell you that the greatest honor you and I can give our pastors is our willingness to live wholeheartedly for Jesus, which includes service unto the church that we have made our home. The greatest honor we can give our pastors is a commitment to holiness, sanctification, and effective ministry within these church walls and then therefore go outside of these church walls. There's been a movement in um, recent years in the church where it's like, oh, let's just do church at home, especially after COVID. I'm just going to do church online. I don't need to live life with anybody else. But can I tell you that probably those people who watch church online are depressed anxious, sad, they're lost and they're hurting because they don't have one another standing next to them, carrying their burden. We are called to be the church, to the church first and then to this world. If we are not effective in our church walls, we're going to be ineffective outside of these church walls. God is calling us, Acts 2.42, when they fellowship together, what happened? When they fellowship together, more were added to their numbers because they came together and they were taught and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and they went out and they changed the world. If we want to see lives transformed in our state, in your families and in your circle of influence, you have got to do something more than sit in your pew and warm it up. I have to do more than sit in my pew and warm it up. God is calling the church to come alive. This is our spiritual home. Something um, was said this weekend uh, at the conference. The speaker said, why are we not leaving the church changed and healed? Can we stop playing church and be the church? And that hit me deep because we serve a big God who is waiting for us to call on his power and to join his vision for the church and this world. So it starts here, though. Can we begin to take up our part and begin to see God moving in greater ways here at Maranatha? There's so much more to come at Maranatha. And it's not meant to stay here. It's meant to go out into the world. But we have to start here, you guys. We've been given an immense amount of grace. And with that grace comes immense responsibility. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. We must live out this law of Christ to love our neighbors, especially the ones in this church. And God is calling us as a church, as Maranatha Full Gospel Fellowship, to rise up and answer the call of living out the law of Christ. We each have a responsibility. Look at this. That load was massive. You couldn't even see Zach. And when everybody takes a piece of the load, how much easier is it for you to carry? And how beautiful it is. I'm telling you guys, heaven looks like this. Look at at who is standing next to you. 
when we do this, we're better together, we're stronger together, and we're more effective together. And I can bet you if Zach only had to carry one bag, he can go a lot longer, right? He can only go so long if you're carrying all that baggage. Paul goes on further in this chapter and says that we will harvest what we plant. And I'm, I'm, I'm almost done here, guys. If you, can, if you live only to satisfy your sinful nature, you will harvest death and decay. But if we live to please the Spirit, we will harvest everlasting life. He says, don't give up if it gets hard. Don't give up. Verse 15 says, it doesn't matter what checklists you check off. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. So we're going to have a time of response. Trenton, if you can just turn down the lights a little bit here. Maybe there's some in this room who don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never had an encounter with the living God, the one who wants to fill you with his spirit so that you can go out and be empowered to be who God has called you to be. I want you to know if that's you in this place, that there is someone greater than these who are standing here physically, somebody who is greater than these people here that can help carry your burden. And his name is Jesus, and all you have to do is believe that he's the son of God who died on the cross for your sins so that you can live. Make him Lord of your life, and he will never fail to help carry your burden. And then the bonus is that you get all these people around you that help you carry your burden. Maybe some of us are lacking a spirit-filled life, and you need a fresh filling of the spirit to help you practice the law of Christ in this church and outside of this church. And this could look different for each person. Maybe you become complacent in your personal growth or your service to God. These things are required if, we're to if we are to fulfill our part in the church. Maybe we haven't honored our pastors like we should. Maybe there's a fracture in a relationship with a brother or sister in Christ that we need to mend I'm not going to list every opportunity, but you guys, I was challenged this weekend. And in the midst of being at youth conference, I was, I was studying for this message, and the Lord was challenging me to access the spirit that is freely given to me. When Jesus went back to heaven, he said, I'm going to leave you a helper. And that helper is going to enable us to be who, it, who God has called us to be. So I'm not going to list all the needs, all the ways that you can respond. Maybe the Holy Spirit is already highlighting um, those areas in your life. Maybe you just want more of Jesus. Jesus, I need more of your Holy Spirit power so that I can be a part of what happens in this church. Guys, people should come into this church changed, healed, walk away a different person. And maybe we're not seeing that because we're not accessing the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, will you come? Will you come and ask the Lord to move in your life? Thank you. If you have a bag, you can just set it somewhere up here. Um, but I just want to challenge us to respond to this call of living by the law of Christ. Thank you for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, we would love to hear about it. You're welcome to message us at akmaranatha.com forward slash contact or message us on Facebook at Maranatha Full Gospel Fellowship. We pray you are blessed by the message and have a wonderful week.